Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone, this is Editing Fran here. Just want to give a small announcement before we get into the episode. So on December 21st at 7pm Eastern Standard Time, the Percy Jackson podcasters are getting together to watch the Lightning Thief movie to help raise money for the Red Nation. If you're interested in watching and getting involved with what we're doing, you can find the links and information to watch the live stream down in the episode show notes. It will be on the YouTube channel at Healthy Dose of Fran and then released later most likely on all of the podcast platforms. I'm looking forward to seeing you there and just wanted to remind you, December 21st, 7pm Eastern Standard Time. Enjoy the episode. Hello everyone and welcome to The Best Damn Camp, a Ronaldverse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today I am joined by a very special guest in the form of Darian from Podcast of Poseidon and our dual podcast, that's a word, dual, that is a word, <laughs> dual podcast entering storybook. So uh, I said that so weirdly. Oh my God. That's okay. <laughs> Darian, thank you for joining. Hey, hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be able to talk about the King Chronicles and Egyptian stuff. Yes, it's actually my favorite. Literally, I've come to realize that I am in that state now where the Kane Chronicles is above Percy Jackson for me. I'm only on the first book currently, but like that's where it's at. Uh, I'm see, in love with Kane Chronicles. I I wouldn't say that. I would say I love Egyptian mythology more than Greek mythology, but Percy Jackson has my heart for all eternity, and there's not much I can do about it at that point, to be honest. Yeah, but I that's get fair that. Enough. <laughs> Yeah, that is fair enough. Admittedly, we'll see how like my thing favors. Currently, the Red Pyramid is definitely like top. We'll see how it goes with the entire series, though. It's very good. I remember reading these when they first came out, like because this, I think, two thousand seven. So, um, first before we go into that though, let everyone know what you are about and all the stuff that they can find you on, and then we'll dive right in. Oh, totes. Yeah. Uh, hi, my name is Darian Smart. As Fran introduced me, I am the co-host of Podcast of Poseidon. A oh god, what is my elevator pitch for that? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> How do I describe it? It is a podcast that I host with my brother in which we explore how ancient myths become our modern pop culture while reading the Percy Jackson series. And I also do the Entering Storybook podcast with Fran, which is the kick ass, super fun, really weird <laughs> once upon a time rewatch reanalysis podcast. I also rock climb and have a rock climbing instagram which is a big thing that i i do that has nothing to do with podcasts or mythology but uh i look really cool in those yes. videos way cooler than i ever look podcasting so that is on the rocks boise and y'all should check it out that will be linked in the episode show notes and seriously go check it out because it's freaking awesome oh thank you <laughs> I, 
But um, I also have a cat. But that is all the things like everyone, of course, that's going to be in the episode show notes to so go check that out. But um, yes, as Darren said, we are talking about cats really today <laughs> with mm-hmm. these uh, chapters. So yeah, we are continuing the timeline journey with the Kane Chronicles, the Red Pyramid, Chapter Twenty One, Aunt Kitty to the Rescue, and Chapter Twenty Two, Leroy meets the Locker of Doom. Both chapters of which are from Carter's point of view. So as always, we've got points to focus on. So today we've got, oh God, narrative, characters, and generally what we thought of it. But to begin, here's a synopsis from Darian. Okay. I didn't get a glass of water, so my constantly like, oh, is my mouth too dry? No, you're fine. Just go with it. <laughs> the Kane sightseeing tour of DC goes south with the arrival of the Sat Beast. Fast says, fly, you fools, for Steve Rogering off the Washington Monument. Sadie and Carter transfer him into birds and fly to the airport, but Sadie, unable to change back, is about to pull up Tobias until Carter helps her calm down. Fast rejoins the party and uses her feline wiles to get them through security, but the set beast is hot on their trail. Carter uses some horse fighting magic to shove the set beast into a magical interdimensional locker. He reaches the plane just in time to pass out and have a dream about Set concocting an evil scheme that will somehow involve Uncle Amos. Yeah. We love it, we love it, we love it. <laughs> And that, that's a really good synopsis overview of, Thank of you. the situation. Um, I was uh, thinking about how I was going to write it because I listen to your podcast and I know you make the host do that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to write the thing. How do I write it the way Fran talks? <laughs> um, and admittedly, you, you did it better. You did Fran better. So, you know, you are now, you are now an ultimate Fran. So. I have achieved peak Fran. <laughs> you have when do indeed. I get my British accent? Do I have to file for that? Is there someone I call? Yeah, so that's, um, that's actually an extra, um, okay. sort of like mm-hmm. things. So you've got to pay extra for that. Oh, um, so, membership yeah, so. tier, I understand. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's behind a paywall, so. Uh, you know I love a paywall. <laughs> oh, yeah, we all have them. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God. Um. But um, yeah, so that is basically what's going on. So of course, as always, we do have the individual chapter breakdowns. Um, but honestly, that's not since it's done so well that we probably we don't even need them. But I'm going to do them anyway because we've got to pad for time. So <laughs> we who both are women with big opinions need to pad for time. <laughs> exactly. And make it difficult for myself to edit later. But, you know, that's life. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Uh, I guess to get into it. So we have chapter 21, Aunt Kitty to the rescue, which, by the way, I forgot how the Aunt Kitty thing came about until I read this chapter. And I was I... so surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you laugh aloud. It's great. Oh, it's it's a it's a good go good go uh, gag. It's a good gag. <laughs> you were going with and gag. gag and joke and it, made it didn't work. Joke. <laughs> Go. no it's a good sometimes i think i definitely have like roll my eyes as, as at at rick's humor sometimes especially and i think the red pyramid i remember reading it for the first time and some of his the cheese thing constantly being like oh the most the fourth magic cheese and i'm like okay dude i maybe i'm a little over these books but the aunt kitty thing is very funny oh yeah I was just thinking, I was like, I do not remember this cheese joke. I must have just like glazed over it. It's like, wow, okay. It's why okay, when I first read it when it had come out, it was such an egregious, unforgivable, like not joke joke that kept coming up that I just that's the thing I remember about the book. 
is that oh yeah and then there's the cheese thing and these jokes just don't work and then when i read it reread it many years later i was like it's like a one-off thing it's not even that big like it's <laughs> it's hardly like actually offensive but i was just like so annoyed with it that i just have held onto it so tightly this cheese thing it's not even a thing <laughs> it's not even a thing but i still hate it i still i know that will stay still don't think it's funny <laughs> yeah there's definitely a lot of hit and miss jokes there was one just so i think i think it was an episode i had with um katie from damn snack bar where i'm like mm-hmm. there was one missed joke opportunity like Rick goes for all of them, but there's one that he missed and it made me so angry. And it's when they bring in the reference about uh, the mat. And obviously they say it, Mart. But like, mm-hmm. in my head, it's like that would have been a perfect opportunity for Sadie to be like, who's Matt? As in like, the name, yeah. Matt. I'm like, but it's not, it didn't happen. I'm like, how could you not could you make not? a joke about that? <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. right there. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah. I'll forgive. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will forget we suppose <laughs> yeah We're it just needs Matt. to be in the movie it just needs to be in the movie instead yes we'll see it in the i'm sure i'm sure this netflix movie that uh you know has a total like netflix with its wonderful track record of adaptations will definitely nail this one for us oh yeah oh yeah well rick's involved so i have a bit more faith but yeah i know i'm like yeah. drashing netflix while simultaneously being so excited for their sandman <laughs> But to get back on topic, let's see, yes. this is what I mean. I'm just like, off. There are things um, to talk about. <laughs> things to talk about. And hopefully it's interesting for everyone listening. Um, and if not, you're not a real fan, so I don't want you here anyway. <laughs> so um, Get out! <laughs> get out if you don't like my tangents. So, mm-hmm. I have Why are you listening to podcasts if you don't like tangents? Exactly. Like It's, it's like a staple of what podcasts are for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also the main place that we can do it and people have to listen if they want to know what have we, want to. To talk we are about. literally in your head right now what are you gonna do listen to something else please no because you want to hear what we want to say which mm-hmm. is why we're getting into chapter one aunt kitty to the rescue and the overview yes as follows <laughs> the set animal has their scent which means it will never stop hunting them Needing to escape, Bass is a distraction for the beast as the siblings turn into birds to get to the airport. Sadie is trapped in cape form again, and keeping her calm, Carter tells her about his past. With racist cops and Aunt Kitty to the rescue, they head towards the plane to go to Memphis, hoping the animal isn't too close behind. I don't, don't, don't. That's a really small overview. I realize, like, reading that now, I'm like, that's not that detailed, but it's enough. But that's exactly what happens. And here's, I forget that I just finished reading Trials of Apollo, and so much happens in every single one of those chapters. And I forget that in this one, it is like the pacing is slower. Not bad, just different. Mm. And I was like, oh, not yeah. a lot happens. Interesting things happen. Some, like, cool set pieces happen. Also, is it set animal? Um, so that's the name of it. So the set animal. How did what, I get the... set beast? Where did I get? Yeah, it's set animal. I re... Why did set beast come to my head? Because they're a beast. That is a beast. Um... But no, set animal. Yeah, that is the thing. That is not even just like, oh, this. that is the mythology thing. It's the set animal. Yeah, if it helps, oh, like I, I did fully pick, like I was just like, yeah, no, that seems right. That's, <laughs> even though I right, also wrote, right. it's like, it works. So like, I'm good. Also, I've just seen your cover, and I'm so jealous because the UK covers are so shit. Oh yeah, that that's is. not 
that's bad. Yeah, all of ours Ugh. are really bad. I don't know why we get like the worst ones. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah, I can show you a better. Yeah, it's so just pretty. The, the original. Yeah, it is pretty. It's got just. Yeah, yeah yours is very like. Wah! Action, yeah. which is. But this one's got action, but it's also got like mystery there's a sense of like etherealness about like the hieroglyphs coming from her hand and like the snake you can see through like this serpent beast going into like this building and yeah yeah also what's really weird is that sadie's never on the cover except for the last one it's gross yeah which feels kind of weird um, yeah, I, I, there's no reason because they're both main characters but like throne of fire yeah, and red pyramid only carter's on the cover yeah, no, Sadie and Carter are on the cover of all three of them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but Aunt Kitty, though. Yes, Aunt Kitty, though. I seriously do. And I love the fact that she comes in, like, dressed to the nines and all these mm-hmm. things, and instantly just kind of like, because obviously she arrives when this cop is being racist to Carter. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's seen a dark-skinned African-American boy mm-hmm. um, who's in sort of, like, not ranks, but, like, a little bit <laughs> muddy and dusty. Yeah, um, and it's me. Looks just like he's like, been through the ringer. Like, yeah, yeah, through the mm-hmm. ringer. <laughs> All these sort of terrible things, and he's just like, "Hey, suspect," with a bird on his arm. You. Yeah, with a bird, which is also kind of like, I know that's odd, but like, would you really think, yeah, criminal, <laughs> with someone holding a bird? Like that just seems like such an odd, odd I mean, choice. Carter could have been standing there holding a stack of academic textbooks and the cops still would have looked at this black kid and been like criminal. So Yeah. Yeah. And we get a whole thing of that in the in the in that chapter as well of him explaining yeah. like, when he turned eleven was the first time he started getting like stopped and questioned and all these mm-hmm. things. And it was it was a rare case when it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um but his feelings whenever it didn't happen was like, huh, that's a change. Like it was what, always a surprise. What a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a surprise. Hey, you're probably kind of good. You know, it's just, it's kind of dark. But also, like, it was all, something I was talking about in this. It's like, I appreciate that that's something discussed because Carter is a dark-skinned African-American boy. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a reality. And yeah, I know, um, his reality. Uh, yeah, yeah. I appreciated that Rick didn't do, you know, that sort of, like, colorblind thing that they do in, in like, media often. It's like, mm-hmm. they'll have someone who is a person of color. And it will be like racism doesn't exist. Yeah. Which completely like illogical racism does exist. But mm-hmm. I appreciate like it. The reality about. that a character like this. Yeah. Should... yeah. Sorry, yeah, carry on. Sorry. I interrupted. Oh, no, no. I interrupted <laughs> you. I just say words all the time. But no, yeah, it's it's like um, I was listening to a podcast earlier in the year and it was uh, hashtag wizard team. Yes, it's a Harry Potter podcast, but hosted by two black women from Oakland. They were rereading the series for many years, and later on they would talk about other things, tangential fandom things, and they had this conversation one time about uh, how in the Cursed Child play they cast a black actress to play Hermione Granger, and how the one of the hosts was so excited. She was so excited this was going to happen. Like, we have a black Hermione. Isn't that great? And she was talking to her friends about it. And one of the friends was like, she's still a white lady. Like, yeah, she's being played by a black actress, but that character is still white. Because there's no recognition of this part of her identity would influence the way she moves about the world and navigates things and, like, would be defining. Like, because it is. Because it matters. And so it's like, oh, yeah, you can have characters where it's just like, 
oh, we added diversity to our cast. Like, look, we casted like people of different like colors and ethnicities and, and genders and all this stuff, but they still are written, right, as default cis straight white. Mm. Male, female, yeah. usually, but yeah, and it's just because the reality is like what Carter experiencing standing outside the airport waiting for Bass to show up with his sister as a bird on his arm is very different than what, let's say, I don't know, we're in the Rick Riordan podcast, what Percy Jackson would have experienced standing out there. Yeah, because like, even yeah. Sadie herself as well, just even Sadie well, herself was like passing mm. a young woman, like it would be different. So, yeah, it's mm. uncomfortable to read about, but I appreciate that Rick is. Yes, it's uncomfortable, and you need to be aware of this child or adult who is reading this book to understand how another kid who does not look like you probably has different experiences than you do, even whilst having this magical adventure. Yeah, and I do appreciate that. I know there are, um, there are issues within the depiction of diversity in the Kane Chronicles. Like I had a conversation with someone, uh, I think it was today actually, mm-hmm. um, about the fact that Sadie has very much the element of colorism, like internalized colorism towards her her dad and her brother, who are obviously both dark skinned black mm-hmm. men. Um, of the fact that she doesn't seem to recognize the fact that they are people who are going to struggle more mm-hmm. and have more dif- very different life experiences. Like she talks about the fact that like Carter is very privileged to have been able to go and travel uh, travel around a lot and all these sort of things without kind of mm-hmm. recognizing the difficulties that come with that and all these sort of situations and a, a few other elements as well of like not fully picking up why these police officers immediately said that her dad and brother were terrorists in the opening yeah. part of the book. Like, come on, Sadie. Yeah. But like there are a few things like that and I thought that was a really interesting conversation that I had with someone just like there are issues with that because that's definitely not addressed yeah. in the books as yeah. far as I'm aware where no, Sadie I don't doesn't so. I don't fully recognise that sort of stuff and it's like it makes sense but also kind of doesn't at the same time but uh, I mean I suppose it's like she was raised by her very white parent or grandparents excuse me and racist so, who are racist like so no, should have been better addressed. Like I felt like it got set up and then walked back later on. Boy, but yeah, I could see her maybe not clocking it because she has not seen the way that her brother and father would be treated differently than she is regularly because she never got to be around them. But I would, I wish like as the books have gone forward, we get Sadie's like dialogue of this and being like. Mm-hmm fuck off that's my brother how dare you treat him that way even though like acknowledging that this is how he is treated but also acknowledging that she's like yeah you're right being more aware that this is a reality yeah and admittedly that is also at the same time something like you like rick being able to do it for carter's character but then kind of not this is also an issue that i do know about the issue with people's uh thoughts about sadie is the fact that she is written and presented as if she were white and given yes. very white characteristics and all these sort of things mm-hmm. like there's like a uh what's it called like the that collab book of like percy jackson and kane chronicles in demigods yeah. and magicians that's it she looks like annabeth per- yeah and i'm like annabeth's a full-ass white lady like yeah technically in the books like i know people do yeah uh, sometimes headcanon and stuff like that but no she mm-hmm. is she is white <laughs> like, yeah so comparing sadie to a white woman not it yeah, he's like, oh, she's blonde and she has like fairer skin and her eyes are blue. Yeah, and this is the whole thing. So her hair isn't actually blonde; it's caramel 
So it's technically You're right, it's not blonde. <laughs> but she's described as blonde in Demigods and Magicians mm-hmm. and in some of the later King Chronicles books, I believe, as well. And then obviously yeah, the like... art that he got done for her as well from Varia. Yeah, is... she's very she's... like blonder. Mm. Mm. Blonder and a lot paler as well, because like she's just lighter than Carter. She's not white. She's just she'd be someone who's like tanned, basically, or like uh, would appear tanned. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah, it's yeah. I mean, also the way like, I am not someone who can speak on this well, but it definitely feels like there was an idea that I I do like. Carter and Sadie are siblings, and I do like mm. that because they are like biracial and have like a black father and a white mother. Like those characters is presented very very differently in them, which mm. is something that does is a reality for siblings who come mm. from like biracial parents and probably have to deal with those things differently it's just not something that i think was like explored in the books as well as it could be yeah and that's that, yeah yeah that's definitely a thing i think it's unfortunate but again like this is the aspect of like this was at the stage where like rick is a white author probably not yeah. the most aware of these sort of things like that is where these sort of situations come in which obviously he's fixing now with the Rick Warren Presents imprint and all these yeah. sort of things and getting sensitivity readers and stuff like that, which is yeah. good. Definitely Offering should be more, sooner. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yes, like being able to address these things a lot sooner. Yes, that would be good. Uh, fucking wild that we didn't have like the publisher being like, we should have sensitivity readers on this like way sooner. Like the yeah. publisher could have hired someone Literally. at any time. And, yeah, this is the whole thing. Admittedly, I even know... Uh, they don't even do it now usually each at the request of the author that a sensitive sensitivity reader will be brought in um and it's not usually done uh, like it's not usually the publisher's idea from like my experience and admittedly that's academia in comparison to fiction so it could be different but like in my experience no (laughs) that's wild because it's like publishing is about making money yeah if i ran a company we would have like we here's my editing team and here's our sensitivity readers and based on what we're working with these are the ones that we'll be able to contact and hire and be able to work with these projects like this is going through a vetting process we are not going to have anything reflect poorly on my company yeah you'd think (sighs) something easily fixable anyway yeah but but Sadie and Carter are siblings and I think Rick actually does a good job on these siblings unlike on some of his other sibling characters oh yeah these are the only sibling characters where I'm just like, these are actual siblings. And he does it in a mm-hmm. way as well, because obviously they've been apart for like, how long is it? It's like six, no, eight years or something like that. Yeah. He's six, and he's like mm-hmm. 14 now or something like that. Like, were... Yeah, six, seven. Yeah. So yeah, so that's about like six, seven years. My maths is so bad. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> but Minus two, DJ do... does the math on the show. <laughs> um but the fact that they've been apart for so long so their relationship is like strained and we're seeing that a lot mm-hmm. in this book as well i just really appreciate it. which is why and i put this in the notes here like in this section we have this whole moment of like when sadie is freaking out because she can't turn back into her human form mm-hmm. um and carter's response of trying to keep her calm is basically telling her stories about his life and all these things that he's done and experienced mm-hmm. and all these sort of things I really loved the concept of that. Mm-hmm. 
but the fact that this is like a proper bonding moment between them of him doing something to keep her calm and he's not taking yeah. the piss out of her all these sort of things which obviously he did previously he kind of laughed at her because he's like oh my god he's stuck as a bird <laughs> that's hilarious yeah. but realizing now you know she's actually freaking out she's panicking a lot here yeah it was a really good moment that really kind of i doesn't have the impact i feel like it should have had because it's just kind of written out of like oh these are the stories that he was telling and then she yeah, calmed down it, it's literally tell not show yeah like it's because it, like i said like yeah he he laughs at her like this is hilarious you're a bird because that's a sibling thing you're got you're gonna laugh at your sibling when something ridiculous happens to them because it's like <laughs> and then when you realize oh this is bad you're actually scared it's not funny anymore and yeah. i think that's a good moment of carter like develop because they don't have the those sibling instincts but i think it's like carter is protective of sadie and he's starting to see her as like this i mean obviously he's always seen like that's my sister but it's more of like that's my cousin i see once a year on christmas kind of yeah thing. and as they're going through this they are getting closer and like developing that kind of dynamic of like everyone is gone like everyone mm-hmm. around them is gone like constantly these two are left alone like whoever is supposed to be the adult whoever's supposed to be in charge and taking care of him leaves or gets taken or like has to run off or fights or dies or or whatever and so these two have just each other and in those moments they're starting to like click with that and so like i do love like because sadie is so scared and so carter like he talks about he's like i would just started talking to her like how you like calm down a scared animal i didn't even know what i was saying until i realized i was telling her the story about how like he had gotten separated from his dad when he was young Mm. and he was so scared and i do think that's really sweet about how like he's trying to help his sister through her scary time by sharing a time when he was afraid Mm. but you're right that it doesn't have the impact because it it kind of feels glossed over because we don't get to hear carter tell that story to her and we don't get to see sadie as a bird like i felt her heart rate slow her claws stop digging like we don't have those little things that physically show us Sadie is calming down and that what Carter is sharing with her is like personal and 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 and, and vulnerable mm. because it's just sometimes I think the whole we recorded this on audio for you to listen to hurts the structure of this particular series yeah because because they can literally say this is what I said sometimes instead of having to no, you need to show me what they said. Yeah. And yeah, I can completely see that. I didn't even, like, it didn't even click with me the fact that obviously, like, they are recording this. So some things aren't as detailed as, like, they would be if it wasn't in this sort of format. But that definitely mm-hmm. kind of stands out a bit. The whole thing is, like, I feel like even if it was this sort of glossy over aspect of it, I feel like the impact would have actually still been there if after all of these things that he did and said, she did mm-hmm. actually reform back into her human shape because she's yeah. calmed down so much. That would have had the the impact that it needed. But mm-hmm. no, she's she's still a kite. It's kind of like she's calm and not like freaking out and like looking like she's gonna fly away or anything. Yeah. But like she's still a bird. Like it's still kind of having this sort of comedy elements. Yeah. So you gotta get through the airport with the Yeah, I think you're right. I think it sacrificed the emotional payoff for comedy. Because the image yeah. of Bast and Carter getting through, <laughs> we're on, we're going to a falconry contest. She's a kite, actually. She's a very temperamental animal. You need to stop questioning me, sir. It's funny. I also think if it was maybe it was because the next chapter, we're not in the next chapter yet, we're still talking about this. Uh, 
because Sadie can't be in the next chapter in order for Carter to be able to have his big damn hero moments. Yeah. Because if yeah. Sadie changed back, she would be in that fight. Yeah, I could definitely see that. They could possibly add that additional element, because obviously we saw in um, at the start of this chapter as well, um, where Bass says that she's going to like fight off the set animal and like mm-hmm. like Katie, not Katie, Sadie, immediately <laughs> like freaks out just being like, no, 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 we can't, we can't lose you. We can't like, you can't yeah. die. All these, this is this instant panic. I could definitely see that being a reason. Like if she was there in her human form of like, she's still kind of freaked out and not really in her right mind after being trapped as, as the kite again. Mm-hmm. And also seeing Bass and kind of like being like, you know, I can't, no, I'm not, going away from that like we'll, we will say you can sort of that panic sort of situation mm-hmm. like she's literally f- frozen and that's why she doesn't go that would be a thing and also then we could follow like her possible guilt about like leaving her brother to do this on his own like, it could have been an interesting character moment um yeah i think because yeah that's a really cool point because like sadie is constantly like uh, gonna throw she's the headstrong one she's like let's go let's do it so giving her a moment of like I feel like because in the next chapter she could have reflected on like man i i feel like i failed like i'm always like this and they like, got so freaked out and i'm so scared and actually maybe have her talk about like hey my dad died recently uh kind of my uncle's gone my cat's a goddess who almost died i'm freaking out i'm <laughs> i'm not great i need to someone to, i need to say i'm not okay and then yeah. have her be like yeah, because I'm, I'm also like, ah, I wish you had changed back. You're right. but Because I, I love that so much. Of like, I feel like this is one of the first time Carter really has a big brother moment of like mm. really trying to be there for his sibling. And yeah. Yeah. But, uh, this poor boy just wants to go to school so bad and have a normal teenage experience. <laughs> he does. That locker scene actually made my heart hurt of just being yeah. like, so like it's I can't I can't even remember how he describes it. How does he describe it? So he doesn't mention the logger bit first. Mm-mm. Um so what was it? It's like, um oh god, where is it? I'm looking at it right now, but I can't find the exact same thing. Um use the duet as a storage bin. Um mm-hmm. like just imagine a space in the air, like a shelf or a treasure chest. And then he goes, A locker. I've yeah. never had a school locker, and I was like, oh, I know. <laughs> It was so cute. And the the locker combination that he gives it as well is actually really quite sweet. Like it's like yeah. his favorite like NBA player Lakers player. Yeah, Lakers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So retired numbers from the Lakers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously. And, then and then he mentions the names of like who obviously it is. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh. it was just it just felt like such a sweet sort of like moment of just yeah. being like he does like he he wants to have normal life and does normal yeah. things. Even though he's shit at basketball. He's so bad at basketball, but he still loves it so much. It's yeah. so good. And he just wants to, like... And he's such a nerd. He likes, like, I know the retired numbers of the jerseys just off my head. That's what I'm going to use for my magical interdimensional locker. I just thought that, yeah, it's such a sweet moment. Yeah. Uh, he's a babe. I love he's him so a, much. Yeah. <laughs> Carter's so good. Been... He's just trying. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Like Carter is like the least liked Kane sibling I found in like fandom. I'm like, I yeah. seriously do not get why. Because he is like the best. Like Sadie is good, but she's a bit too much sometimes. Carter mm-hmm. is consistently brilliant. <laughs> He's yeah, just a Sadie's... bit more relaxed. Yeah, Sadie's constantly. I feel like Sadie tends to drive things forward a lot more. 
Mm-hmm. And as a reader, you can kind of be like excited about that. Whereas Carter often like kind of his instinct is to pull back because he's like uncertain. This is dangerous. This is not his element. He's not always comfortable with the way things are. And that can feel like frustrating as a reader. Where you're just like, no, you have to go with the adventure because I'm here to read about your adventure. Stop stopping. <laughs> so stop moaning about Zia. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, she's great. I care about her personally. I don't care about your thoughts on her. Not even in this chapter, however. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely see that. Like, he definitely has those moments. And maybe it's just me. Maybe because I know for a fact that if I was a heroic character, I would be Carter and be like, "Uh, Uh, maybe not. You know, we could just have a conversation or that's a thing because most readers are like oh yeah i'd be like sadie i'd run head first and we'd get all this stuff done and i'd be cool at magic but like and no most of us would be carter because we'd be looking around like what the fuck no no can i say fuck on your podcast oh yeah you can okay (laughs) since you look around like uh no we are not prepared for this we don't have plans (laughs) What the hell is happening now? And that's we the truth of it. We're all actually Carter. We're all actually Carter, which is probably why mm-hmm. people don't like it, because we know we yes. know we're Carter, but we want to be a Sadie. I'm like, do mm-hmm. we really want to, though? Because Sadie gets them in so many dangerous situations. Unnecessarily. Unnecessarily dangerous Sadie. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing of like where Percy is everyone's favourite character when really Grover should be, because Grover is actually sensible. Oh, man, I can't stand Grover. I'm so done. I'm so over. Okay, like I like Grover. I do. I do like Grover. I think he's sweet and he's caring and he really cares about what he. I'm just like so over Grover and this pan thing. Yeah, that kind of did lose me a little bit. Like I liked him more being like the sort of sweet, like the sweet little. Basically, him and the lightning thief was just like Pete Grover. Pete Grover. Pete Grover. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it kind of went downhill a little I'm like no just kind of keep him as the sweet little boy yeah oh the half boy that he half is. mostly goat <laughs> mostly yeah goat. it's i don't know it's like well because he was a he was one of the main characters in the lightning thief and then in every other book he's just gone for long chunks of time yeah i could not call him like a main character he's a primary character but he's like not getting top billing in these plots anymore no he's like bottom bottom mm-hmm. of Bottom of the prime. Yep. And as soon as this pan thing is resolved, we're done with Grover. He has no more plot. I know. It's really sad. This mm-hmm. is the one thing I do really like about the Kent Chronicles. Every character they introduce is of importance. Yes. Continuously. No ever- continuously. And that is mm-hmm. what I love so much because none of the other series have that. No, it's there's a lot the of main like, characters. threads. Yeah, lots of threads. Like, there are people who like pop up, disappear for long periods of time, pop up, disappear, pop up, disappear. And it's just mm-hmm. like, don't introduce them if they're not going to be a continuous sort of situation, especially if you've given them importance in one, like like Clarice, for example, in Percy Jackson. Yes. She's given mm-hmm. so much importance in seeing mon- uh, yeah, Sea of Monsters. And then never seen again until a brief sort of like cameo in Battle of the Labyrinth, and then brief cameo in The Last Olympian, and then... Mm-hmm. No one worries. sentence reference in Heroes of Olympus and then never again. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's like there you could have characters who aren't there all the time, because not everybody needs to be there all the time, and then when they come up, you're like tight, but it should never be like, 
oh yeah you exist yeah like just being like oh like talia (laughs) talia is like a big three main character of one book and then disappears until the last book yeah don't do it don't yeah like set up to be like add like cliffhanger ending of the second book set up to be like this is game changing this is like gonna flip the board we're playing a new game now and like she only serves for exposition for other people's characters going forward like the next time she's important is like to drive jason forward the next time she's important after that is to drive reyna forward a little bit and it's just like yeah okay i like her as a character idea i think there's stuff to do with her i think it's frustrating when there's a character that there's stuff to do with that doesn't get done yeah basically the moment she became a hunter of artemis and this is the whole situation any character who is part of the hunters is immediately regulated to not being important anymore that's a conversation Mm -hmm. for your podcast for like for my podcast you are literally coming on my podcast to talk about the hunters of artemis i don't know when that'll (laughs) drop because i don't know your publishing period uh, <laughs> our episode will drop of February 4th. Wait. I have it scheduled. <laughs> we have a timeline. It is early February. Nice. February 1st. Tuesday, February, February 1st, 1st is when that is coming out. February 1st. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, to get back in. So obviously, yes, we, came... we have to get back in. Oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> it's okay i do it all the time um but yeah the king chronicles they have characters that are actually of importance i'm just Mm -hmm. really like that but in relation to like the bond situation this definitely did feel a bit underwhelming i feel like there definitely could have been some better better writing choices in this section Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but we do have some really good writing choices in chapter 22 yes meets the locker of doom and i'm very happy for the chapter also much longer because there's a lot that happens in this especially yeah. for carter uh mm-hmm. do you want to read the overview darren or uh... oh, gosh. i would love to let me get cool. back to it <laughs> oh it's a lot longer oh my goodness okay <laughs> all right all right chapter 22 leroy meets the locker of doom the set animal has made it in the airport before they can escape and carter being the good boy he is refuses to let people get hurt retrieving his sword from the duat Carter goes to fight the beast with Horace sort of cheering him on. Calling the say animal Leroy for convenience. Carter fights Leroy as best he can, but unfortunately is bitten, injured. Oh, bitten. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bullet point there. Injured and angry, his falcon avatar arrives and he sends Leroy flying. Only problem is the avatar is rather slow and Leroy gets on the offensive quickly, sending Carter to the ground. Using his newfound talent of putting things in the duat, Carter sends Leroy away into his magical hidden locker. Making it back to the plane on time, though injured, Carter finally sleeps, though unfortunately his ba has other ideas. Going to Set's construction site, he hears of Set's plan to become Lord of the World and use Amos as a way to get it. It's time for a family reunion, Set says, before looking right at Carter. Is there a single dream sequence in any of the Ryan verse books that does not end with the villain looking directly at the hero and saying something evil? Like <laughs> none. Seen, I'm just, no, no. No. No one is okay. sneaky. They always know the hero is there. 
I know. At this point, it was like, I remember reading this and being like, because obviously I read it after Percy Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read it actually. So I read Percy Jackson and then Heroes Olympus and then read King Chronicles. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, being like, wow, they were really not very subtle. No. <laughs> like, this is no a little bit annoying now because it happens with everyone. <laughs> Every single time. Every time. How are the villains always able to to know they're there? Is it because the villains are always like godly super beings? So they're just intertwined with the reality of the world? Or mm. are the heroes just not good at sneaking? Yeah, it's definitely confusing. I half, the only thing is I half get it for the King Chronicles because we've shown that gods can see people's bars like mm-hmm. it's very much it's like well established with um i think it was like that scene with anubis when like sadie is yes. like watching like a memory or something like that and he sees her because like a bar is like between life and death kind of or something yes like the oh and on through the mist just did a whole thing about dreaming and death yes um, I'm going to plug that as well because Owen's podcast deserves more hits and listens. So go it check really out. He does. The Mist. He's very good at what he does. Hundred percent. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, everyone through the mist in the episode show notes as well. Um, but that so we know that they can see bars, although we didn't know that all gods could because we only had it established that Anubis could. Although we mm-hmm. haven't gotten Anubis's name yet, but we know it's no. Anubis. But it's like, you're reading this book and you know it's about Egyptian mythology and like, oh, Sadie sees this like young, cute, dark-haired boy. Yeah, you're going to tell me it's not Anubis? Please. Yeah, because he's like the only like young-ish. Yeah, God. which is like, okay, I can't. It's just, Anubis is not in this chapter. I cannot go off. No, don't I worry. Stay I on target. Bring, I will bring you back for when I get to the Anubis's chapters. Throat of Fire particularly because, oh my God. So the god who's actually in this chapter is Bast. Yes, Bast and Set, but mostly mm-hmm. Bast, which but we mostly love. mostly Bast. Um, Bast is I just, wanna... I just... Oh, sorry, go, go, go. No, no, no. I was... Well, I have a thought that I meant to bring up in the last chapter. I don't know if now is a good time to, like, drag us back into chapter 21 or if we need to go just keep it. moving forward. Just go, okay. just go. Just, uh, when, when, when Carter is about to get harassed by the cop, right, we talked about earlier, Bast at... She's Bast in these books, but in most translations, they refer to this goddess as Bastet. When, like, you're translating it into English. Oh. So it is throws me for a loop sometimes. So Bast comes up, and she, when Carter sees her, she's like, oh, she changed clothes. She's in this really, like, fancy, and I, I want to say cheetah print coat, but I don't even know if that's true. Like, she's very elegant. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, Carter, there you are. It's like, oh, thank you, officer. Have you been helping my nephew? Yeah, we're just going to a falconry competition. It's like, He's like, oh yeah, we have first class tickets. And he's like, this bird can't go on the plane. I can't fly. I assure you, she can. Here are our paperwork. We're gonna go now. And later, he's like, where'd you get the clothes? And she's like, uh, I didn't change. It's I'm mortal minds are easy to manipulate. And this is that like using the duat or like using the mist magic kind of like illusion glamour magic, which is mm-hmm. tight. But what I really like about this is at the end, she asks the officer. She tells the officer he looks good in his uniform and does he work out. Which is just a line she keeps saying as they go through security. Because Bast doesn't know how to flirt. <laughs> because this is this is the thing. She's clearly trying because she knows this is the thing that humans say to other humans. But she doesn't know how to do it because she's a cat, actually. <laughs> so the reason they get through is because she just acts like she belongs there. Like when she rolls up and grabs Carter, she's just like, yeah, we're supposed to be here. 
which is how every cat acts in every situation ever. You will never find a cat wondering if they're allowed to be in a space. You're lucky I'm in this space with you, says the cat. And that's what Bass does. She's just like, I'm supposed to be here. This is my nephew. He's supposed to be here. And then that's where we get the Aunt Kitty because he's like, yeah, that's right, Aunt Kitty. And it's like, <laughs> Carter, are you funny? Did we not know you were funny? <laughs> I, but I just, do love that yeah. scene. <laughs> the main yeah, big part Oh no, I just love it because it also kind of continues because like she does it throughout. Cause, like it's in this chapter as well. Like the start of mm-hmm. it is her continuing to cat flirt with yeah everyone cat um, flirt yeah. Which is that's not how you. Fl- I mean, I don't know how to flirt. Period. But I've read books and I know that's <laughs> not it. No, and uh, I can also tell say from experience that uh, even though I try, I don't either. So like, <laughs> I, I probably would have done the exact same thing that Arch Kitty um, was doing here as well and would have found no results. <laughs> no, but she, but it works because she just acts like she's supposed to be there. So yeah. I think uh, in terms of just the way this character is written, she is just written as a cat would behave in all things all the time. And I give Rick a plus on that. As oh, a yeah. cat lady myself, this woman is authentic. <laughs> Sorry, goddess. <laughs> I do. I, I I love Bass so much. She's very like I know at the start of um, actually we'll we'll go into this when we go into characters. We can talk a little bit more about Bass okay. there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I just so I talk about magic all the time in this. Um, mm-hmm. But this is the chapter where we sh- we're shown the usefulness of the duet, and I yeah. just love it. So we get the obviously the end of the previous chapter was him putting it into a locker and all these very cool things, mm-hmm. but. This is the one where we see the level of power that both Carter has, but also the duet has mm-hmm. as well. Of like the fact that Carter literally puts a all-powerful beast into his locker, and I just, I just love that so much. It was just such, a, and also the way in which the scene is described as well of how he does it it's and the good. effort that he puts in is yeah. so good. Um, and it's just, it's a real big moment of just seeing like the level of power, but also the fact that it truly like drains the hell out of him. Like he's so mm-hmm. exhausted afterwards that like um, he's just collapsed out on the floor, but he can't stay there. He's got to get up and run and get yeah. to the plane as soon as possible and all these sort of things. But it was just like a really intense, intense like power moment. I just really, really liked it. Yeah. What, I- I'm curious, what, and forgive me if you've talked about this on an episode that I haven't gotten a chance to listen to yet. What do you think about the that the fighting avatar thing that Carter can use with like his Horus thing? Like, do you think that's a uh, strong way of like demonstrating this kind of like fighting warrior magic, or just because it's like very slow, but it's also like it's very impressive and you can picture it? But like, what what do you mm. think about that? I definitely have sort of conflicting thoughts on it because like i'm i see it in two different ways so i see it in the way in which it's described where it's like this huge giant avatar um mm-hmm. which i think it kind of makes me think of like that um oh god have you have you ever watched legend of korra by any chance yes big fan and, of hi i love legend of korra actually me too it's very um, good everyone <laughs> can shut up korra is great actually exactly korra is my preferred of the two shows yes um, it's very good it's so good but it's um you know love in, triangle non-withstanding yeah i have some like good things i like about it and some conversation for another day we'll talk about that later be critical about the things you love obvi go exactly. on so avatar um, yeah but you know in book two when cora becomes like this giant avatar yes. of herself mm-hmm. 
that's mm-hmm. kind of what I picture with the, yeah. the avatar of the fighting avatar. But what I think it would have been better as, um, have you watched Teen Wolf by any chance? <laughs> I did. I didn't watch the whole thing, though. So please okay. elaborate. I remember very, I did. I even saw that guy at Comic-Con one year. <laughs> um, so there is this character called Kira Yamada. I think that's her last name. I don't think you ever hear her last name, so I may be wrong. But the character Kira is mm-hmm. a kitsune. Um, okay, didn't get to this part. Yeah, so this was uh, like second half of season three, I think it was. Um, oh, and she has basically a sort of like fox-like shaped avatar around her when she goes into her power thing. And mm-hmm. that's what I think it should be, because it's basically her and her new normal form, just with like a barrier around mm-hmm. her that kind of takes on this shape. Um, and she still has her level of skill. She still has her level of speed. Like nothing really changes. She just has this outer layer of protection and power that mm-hmm. kind of adds like an additional boost to her. Yeah, and I feel like that's what it should have been because that feels more realistic to mm-hmm. the gods. Yeah, like when Bast becomes a giant avatar, Obviously. totally makes sense because like yeah. she is she is a goddess. god. Mm-hmm. But for things like Carter, even though I know he is hosting a god and. Technically, obviously, Bass uh, is in a catch that is hosting a That's god. right. I forget that um, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they seem to forget about it, too, which makes me laugh a bit. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that Carter is hosting but is in his own human form, whereas like, Bass obviously has two forms of like Muffin and this human mm-hmm. cat type thing. Um, yeah. I feel like it would have made more sense if it was a bit of a small avatar and was more just centered to just being a sort of barrier around his body instead of just making him really tall. <laughs> And yeah, being like the koi fish or the like koji avatar Korra sort of thing. That's not the word. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But just making it so big just felt like a bit of a. a it was like a choice, but I don't mm-hmm. think it was the right one when it comes to the human characters. Yeah, I think it's also like Carter's pushing back against Horus all the time. So yeah. I like the big because I picture it as like. I don't know if it's his right or not. I picture it when he does the Avatar, it's Horus. It's the hawk-headed man. And yes. I don't know. Is that it? Okay. I wasn't sure. So it's definitely it the Falcon like... form. It is the Falcon, Falcon form, yeah. Yeah. But I don't the think Hawk it's form. Horus taking over. But it's no, like, no, that's just the shape of Horus. it. Because yeah, it's yeah. magic. I would think it'd be cooler if, like like you said, maybe it's like just a barrier around Carter. And it's not until he actually like manages to work in sync with Horus that they actually unlock that kind of power. Yeah. Because that I think that is a cool thing, but also feels like weirdly cumbersome. Especially when he describes yeah. it as being like slow and like, why is it slow? Are you slow, Carter, physically? Like what is happening with the magic here? Is it making yeah. you stronger? I mean it's a good yeah. thing you have this, like, is it only like a barrier? Is that all it does? It kept him from getting his arm ripped off, which is rad, but also what are we doing here? What's yeah, I like it. I don't know if I love it though. I think your thing yeah. is better. Yeah, it was a choice, and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the only other thing I will say to this before. Oh, sorry, were you going to say something? It's completely off. I mean, it's tangentially related, but not any of the points we actually need to hit today. So, <laughs> I was going to ask because you remind me that like Bast is possessing Muffin essentially, but she has turned into like this human form that she is using. That is not Muffin. Um, if Horus completely took over Carter, would he just would he be able to turn into like whatever Horusy Egyptian form he want to use? That's not Carter. 
I don't know. Right. That's a good what? question. What are the rules? Yeah. There are some things that are like, this is a, a, an intricate magic system, but there are definitely some things that don't seem to have an answer because I also don't understand how Bass has a human form. Right? <laughs> it's, it's because the Bass thing, and we know she's still possessing Muffin. It's, she didn't find a new lady to go hang out with. This is no. still Muffin the cat. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a choice. I don't fully understand it. It may be something I may need to look into, or maybe even... Owen. Owen, Owen. <laughs> Owen please. If, yeah, please look into this, because I don't get it. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Don't understand it. Yeah, that's a question. That's an episode. That's an episode for Owen. How, you got it. how do these avatar things and, like, hosting work? Yeah. If he's not already done one. He may have already done one. If he has, I'm really he, sorry. I've listened, I've listened to every through the Miss episode. He has not done one yet. Oh, and talk okay. about Stargate. <laughs> talk about Stargate. So uh, we can head into the main points here, because the only other thing I was going to say about the chapter was just like we're just seeing some character growth from Carter. But we can go into mm-hmm. that when we get into the main central discussion points, because we're going to go into narrative now of one of these central yeah. points here. Because we do, like that ending part of this chapter two is like very much starting up another point of the narrative plot and the the guidance for what's going to be happening in this story. Um, Mildly disappointed that it's happening when they're going on like a side quest immediately afterwards. Like I feel like that should have been a thing (laughs) that just leaves them directly being like, oh no, we should go to set now. Like we don't need this side quest. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's going to just end up being more of like, oh no, we need this side quest because we need to find out how to defeat set. And like, just ask the gods who are inside of you. (laughs) Yeah. They've done it before. Yeah, kind of. And then if the gods say, we need to go to Memphis, fine. Then we need to go to Memphis. But at least use all the resources at your disposal. They're just so like, nah, I can't touch this thing. Can't do this god thing. Like, no, we're not. And like, I get that because they didn't ask for this. They didn't sign up for this thing. It was super forced on these kids without any sort of like consent whatsoever. Yeah. And that's not great. No, that that's that's a thing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's just it's a situation where I'm like, I'm annoyed that you're dragging this out, but I kind of get why they don't want to ask the gods, but also mm-hmm. ask the gods. <laughs> yeah, at least they're right. Like you said, they it's not just it's not even like they only got available to them as like fast. They are literally dealing with the coot two gods who have had to do this. Apparently, many, many times, this exact same nonsense. Yeah. So it's it's a situation. I kind of get it, but at the same time, stop. Because mm-hmm. you, you're, you're taking us on a journey to, to Memphis to talk to a different god, mm-hmm. to get information to defeat a god that the gods inside of you have already done many times. Yeah. But, but Fran, Fran, if we don't go on side quests, how do we meet the other gods? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In the other books. In the other, yeah, right? There are three of them. And here's the thing. These books are so long. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it was like after Percy Jackson when you like, oh, you know, it's Sarah's Egyptian one. And you're you're like, you're like me, my child brain expecting another like Percy Jackson thing. And I see this and I'm like, comparatively this is massive and it's massive because there's a lot of things that we don't necessarily need to be doing in the plot yeah that's very much where i'm at like it's not as bad as like the lost hero where like everything (laughs) was a side quest (laughs) 
But there's definitely been like this is technically the only one that is like a sci-fi. Like, this is it's the only not thing bad. I'm, yeah, it's very much the only one where I'm kind of like, oh, for God's sake, um, is them being like, oh, we should go see Thoth to be able to read the book of Thoth, and I'm like, that's right, yeah. And it's literally for that reason. I'm like, you've suddenly made it that Sadie suddenly can't read this language when she's been yeah, able to that read was it weird. Yeah, it was very much like what just no <laughs> yeah just just let them go forward you don't need this section yeah it's not it's not like a phantom menace thing where an entire third of the movie is this damn pod racer side quest that doesn't <laughs> actually contribute to the problem we need to solve and could have definitely been like oh, we need to get anakin to be on the team all right you could have done this in 15 minutes we could have found something else it's not that bad of a side quest but it is like you can't see me, listener. I'm just moving my hands back and forth, like, why are we doing this? <laughs> I get. And I like um, Tote. I do. I'm not mad that he's in this book. I just wish he was in it better. We're not even at Tote yet. This is just no. us getting into the segments. We should talk about yeah. who Carter is. No, narrative. We're talking about the narrative. Yeah. <laughs> the The only reason why I brought up the, the soft thing it was very much just like the fact that, like, because we have this element of, like, Set can see them. He's intending to mm-hmm. bring in a family reunion. He's intending to use their uncle in some way. Mm-hmm. That's important stuff. But we're still continuing on to the side quest. And it's kind of like, you've just brought this in, and that's so much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Than going to another god to read a book. Yeah. I'm just like, I'd rather at this stage, because like, I technically know what's happened, because they do still go to see Thoth. I'm very much yeah. like, this is so much more interesting. I would have liked it more if like, their quest to see Thoth was derailed because of this anxiety of, what is he going to do to our uncle? We yeah. do need to go. We need to rely on these gods who are now part of us, and we mm-hmm. like we don't have a choice, but we need to. Um, that would have been so much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I agree. Um, especially the fact that we see this whole aspect of the fact that Set doesn't necessarily seem to be fully the one making the decisions. Yes, I was gone. Can we talk about Face of Horror? Go, 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 go. This is like, it's really, I think this is really well done. This Face of Horror character who is oh, like, yeah. This, this demon, and there's a ton of demons. He's just a monster, right? They're the horde monsters that, in a big fight scene, the heroes have to just cut down a lot of them or to sneak around a lot of them to like raise the stakes. Mm. But this one particular demon who I... They've seen before. I think Carter mentions that he's seen them before, but now we just learn that the, this character's name is Face of Horror. Mm. Um, talks about... Like, Seth's like, he just wants to rule... Like, this continent, essentially. That's his game. And he's like, I'm going to raise all this, and I'm going to, like, my new kingdom will be right here, and it's it's going to be great. He's got goals that are the size of the, like, ancient kingdom of Egypt. That's what he wanted before. That's what he's going to get now. And you've got this demon who's just like, oh, great plan, my lord. Oh, you're just so smart and talented and handsome. And do you work out? But why stop there? And it's yeah. like, and that's just, and that's the kind of thing the demon's like, that's so like, oh, you better watch your fucking words. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm just saying, like, you're so great and you're so powerful. You could, you know, make you an eternal lord of the entire world because you're just so sm- special and strong. And do you work out? <laughs> and Seth's so like, what a great idea. I'm so glad I thought about it. And the demon's like, yeah, you're also so smart. And it's like, it's good because Seth's not 
well, I guess I shouldn't say that. You don't do spoilers on your your podcast, but oh no, no, I do, up... I do, I do. Same oh, okay, okay. It's great because like Set's not the overarching villain of the trilogy. We know there's two more books after this, and Set is not the bat. He is not the Kronos that we keep having to deal with. Someone else he's is the Ares. He's the Ares. Yes, someone else is is the the big bad final boss that you have to deal with. And I think having this like demon character in this scene specifically, like planning the ideas, trying to get Set to do more than what he even actually wants to do, is a good mm-hmm. subtle way of getting us as the reader aware that, like you said, there's something more here. And so it's not just at the end, oh, they've defeated Set, but oh no, somehow Palpatine has returned. And it's like, oh, it's Apophis actually. No, it's, it's we, we have the seed. It's not going to be out of the blue when you get that big reveal. And I like yeah. that. Mm, no, I I'm also like this character right. because he's very fucking upsetting in the description of just being a face with no skin and just muscle. And then, like a chicken body, and like yeah, yeah. Like, did you ever see Quest for Camelot, the animated <gasps> movie? I have never met anyone else who has seen that movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so listeners, if you don't know, Quest for Camelot is a buck wild animated movie about a hero protagonist. She must go save Camelot of King Arthur legend from this evil sorcerer dude. And the reason I bring it up now is because. This guy can, like, create monsters by throwing them into, like, a magical cauldron. And so this chicken gets thrown in with this act. Maybe it's not a cauldron. Maybe it's maybe I'm conflating that. It's like a cauldron. hole in the ground. But yes, it basically just a pit. It's sort of like a, yeah, that he puts yeah. some of this potion into. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically becomes a cauldron, but it's just like a pit cauldron. Yeah, yeah. So he pushes a bunch of dudes in there with weapons, and they come out with, like, weapons attached. So this chicken gets thrown in, and it comes out, and it's, like, chicken body, but, like, head of an axe. And yes. that's how I've always pictured Face of Horror, even though they describe him as having, like, a people face. I just disregard that. And it's like, nah, it's Axe Chicken. <laughs> you said Chicken Body, and that's all I heard. And it's, I've got to say, that is exactly how I pictured them. <laughs> <gasps> oh, I'm so glad. It's just so weird. I can't... I don't, honestly, I don't think I've also met anyone who's seen... I think my roommate has, because we both like King Arthur nonsense. And so she has seen... But that's it. She's the only person I've ever encountered. I'm like, did we fever dream this movie? <laughs> the two-headed dragons. Do you remember them? Yes. The two-headed dragons who can't fly or do fire until they figure out them? how to work together. They have to work together. And then at the end, their magic, the magic of fixing everything and they get separated. Oh, we can be our own people. Oh, no, I'd rather be bonded. And I'm like, you made the wrong choice. <laughs> you could still be together and be independent. <laughs> Yeah, I did love that because, like, we see how, like, clearly by the end they are regretting this when they're at the wedding or crying and, like, wanna, yeah, it's just amazing. Wait, I made a huge mistake. (laughs) But, yeah, that's Face of Horror. He is actually the big bad of this whole series. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or is he? Mm. Um, But it was just, I just love the setup for it. It was just great, which is why it does disappoint me how it follows up. But, you know, there's a conversation. (laughs) <laughs> for next week <laughs> for next week yes yeah it, that's oh that's a thing with these books sometimes is that you get this really great like junta stakes are raised moment and then what follows is kind of just like oh okay and it's not bad like i think sometimes like what follows on its own can still be good and fun and interesting it's mm-hmm. just it is underwhelming compared to what you like stacked up beforehand yeah 
that's definitely the situation here and i think that's the, yeah it is underwhelming sometimes um this is definitely the and this is the thing that i will give credit to the king chronicles for this is the only time that this has happened mm. in this book like this is the only sort of side quest situation they've had like obviously they've had some derailment of like when they were going to like the first gnome and stuff like that but that yeah. had purpose there was a reason for that and mm -hmm. it was to learn magic but us to find out that they were hosting gods and all these sort of things like this is the yeah. first one where it feels unnecessary yeah which you can't really say that for most of the other books like even percy jackson itself has mm -hmm. many things but you kind of like we didn't why need this. why are we on this road trip <laughs> yeah. yeah no that is true i'll be honest so i i've read king chronicles many times i've listened to uh, you know, uh, into the Ryan verse went through it all, so it's very fresh in my brain. And for this podcast, I did just drop in and read the two chapters that we're talking about, so I was very clear mm. on them. And it wasn't until the end of these chapters when they talk about Memphis that I'm like, "All right, yeah, they're gonna go see Tote next. That's what they're doing." Because it just didn't like I knew where they'd come from. I knew what we're getting to, but like this next bit, I had completely just like, oh that's why we need to go to the airport but to the credit i didn't need not once while i was reading was like why do we need to go to the airport i was just like yes the set animal is here bass will fight it you must fly sadie is trapped we have to do something carter's gonna have a hero moment because he can't let people get hurt because of them so i didn't need to know <laughs> i could yeah. i operated totally fine without this core information of why are we doing this <laughs> because these chapters are just very fun and carter you're right carter's very good Yes, let's get into that with the characters section of mm -hmm. this. Carter is a standout. Yes. And this is why he is my favorite. He's actually my favorite character in the Ryan verse, which surprises a lot of people. Well, I, okay, second favorite is because Raina. Raina. My love. Arby. But Yes. <laughs> but like Carter is definitely like a top spot. Like he's basically just like a small smidge behind Raina because mm -hmm. he is just he's just a brilliant character like he, you see so much growth with it. i feel like he has the best arc in yeah. some ways like he's a very different person from how he was in the first book to how he is by the end mm -hmm. um, a lot which of i growth. really love yes yeah, so much a lot growth. of earned growth yes which i love because that's something like especially the uh, the earned part because we get a lot of not earned arcs mm -hmm. in um, in the Ryan verse as a whole um yeah. but this is like the first like this these two chapters have like the first two big moments of character growth for Carter. We have his bonding moment, even if it's glazed over a little bit, we still do have that bonding moment of him finding yeah. a way to seek out to calm, protect, and look after his younger sister by just mm -hmm. talking to her, telling all these things about his past, keeping her calm and being there for her. And like he even kind of keeps talking to her afterwards as well, being like no, it's fine, it's fine, it'll be all good, it's okay. Just mm -hmm. continuing to keep her calm afterwards, even when he's the one who's in a more prickly situation of being like, he's human and he's black yeah. in an airport. Mm -hmm. You know, very uncomfortable situation for him. Yeah. But he still kind of continues to kind of keep an eye on her. Mm -hmm. um, and then we go into the fact that, like, the moment that they hear the set animal is there, his first instinct is to be like, no, we need to protect these people. And he's so surprised because like it's not yeah. what he would have done before. But he's pretty much convinced, like, oh, is Horace making me think this? And then mm -hmm. realizes, no, 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 this is just something I need and want to do. Yeah. I just really love like that recognizing of like he wouldn't have done this before because he is such like an he was a nervous person and was like, 
I'm not capable of doing these sort of things to mm-hmm. then get to this point of being like, no, 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 I'm not letting people get hurt because we yeah. brought this creature here. Yeah, Just, he doesn't I even... It's so good. He doesn't even think about, like, whether or not he can do anything, right? Or whether he even has the power, or, like, will the power even work? He just knows, I can't let get people get hurt because we led this beast here. And it's just, like, it's, I, earlier I said, like, it's his big damn hero moment. And, like, I mean, he gets a lot of it later. He's the hero of these books, right? He and Sadie are. But, like, I think this is the first one where you have, like, this genuine, like, this character has the capacity to be a hero, to go above and beyond and really mm. just do the scary thing. Do the scary thing. Do the thing that you personally don't have to do, but is the right thing to do. And that's mm. big. And that's what, that's what like Carter and like Sadie and the, these characters going on. They do that a lot through these books. And I like that we see it here, this moment of Carter realizing that he has the capacity to make that kind of decision. Yes. And there's just, I, oh. I just I, I love Carter so much. It just it makes me sad that people don't really like him because mm-hmm. like it, he has these mo he just has some really really great moments. Um, and like a thing that I put here is just like his, the first person he protects is one of the police officers, possibly yeah. even one of the ones who racially profiled him. Mm-hmm. And he, like he doesn't think he just goes in to help protect and immediately draws attention away from that officer and all the people in that proximity to mm-hmm. himself putting himself directly in the firing range of this creature that he's not for he doesn't really know much about like he recognizes it but he doesn't really know what he's learned about it is real and is not and yeah. he's ready to fight um even after not getting a vote of confidence from both horace and bass of being like you know i don't think you can do this and he's like oh great thanks um, yeah thanks <sighs> lovely <laughs> That Bast calls him a tomcat, and that's so sweet. Like, yeah, I love. Yeah, that moment I did love afterwards. It's like it's when he gets back onto the plane, and she's yeah. like, like dead on his feet, basically. I handle it. Like, yeah, yeah. And she's just like, you know, you're more tomcat than I realized. And he's she's just like, like so proud of him. Thanks. It's very. I love the, again. It's just the cat thing, but I love the cat thing. I asked to be on these ep- uh, the Bast episode because I love the cat thing. I'm a very <laughs> cat person, but yeah. Bastel sometimes refer to them as like her kittens and stuff because she yeah. loves them so much. It's cute. Yeah, it is really cute. Um, and I just I love that we just got that moment because like we've not really seen much from Bass in relation to Carter. No, yet. right? Like, she's Sadie's her... cat, or Sadie is yeah. her person. Yeah, Sadie is her person, and she's given more compliments to Sadie mm-hmm. in comparison to Carter. And this is like the first time that she has like it's not like a big one because like you know. She's a cat. Not really one for like big sort of big oh, big reactions to these sort of cats things. Don't, really cats don't give sweeping gestures. The cat will let you know you did good by just sitting beside you on the couch. If the cat falls asleep beside you, you've done a good job. <laughs> exactly. And that is basically what Bass does of like, mm-hmm. Carter comes on and she's like impressed and kind of lets him know. And yeah. I also think this was like the first time that Carter has received a compliment about his abilities mm-hmm. like we've not really seen like he's not really received any praise thus far in yeah. the book which is kind of disappointing because like he's definitely the sort of person who needs it more because he doesn't seem like the sort of person who's received praise much throughout his life no probably not yeah um so to see that 
and the sad part of the fact that he's just so exhausted he just doesn't fully recognize what's just happened like, yeah oh, i've just yeah, been complimented <laughs> yeah i'm gonna take a nap you chill see a nightmarish figure mm-hmm. and then feel worse afterwards and then feel worse yeah well that'll happen when you you see the god of chaos talking shit about your uncle oh no and then talking shit about you to and you to your face <laughs> yeah it was a moment but mm-hmm. I, I just like the fact that something that carter did has been acknowledged by someone in a positive way because that boy deserves it <laughs> he does he needs positive reinforcement so much of it mm-hmm. sadie could do with a little less carter Sadie's fine sadie is fine stop giving her a big head <laughs> she has that one on her own i'm sure exactly um but to go into bass actually i, I just want to know your thoughts on bass in these chapters and just just let it out <laughs> oh shoot i think i i went off a lot when i was talking about her just rolling up and being bad at flirting but just acting like she belongs there i i really like i just like it's it's the the coming in with a bias thing like bast is my favorite egyptian goddess like full stop Mm. so i like her more just because i already come in with this affection but i think is not a great chaperone for the kids i think ultimately is is the one thing about bast she very very often will leave them to go deal with the problem which to be fair yes the problem somebody has to go distract the set animal I keep wanting to say set beast, even though I know it's wrong. The set animal. <laughs> and it's it's cool. Like I described it earlier. She like jumps off the Washington Monument and like lands on her feet and just starts running. And the set animal chases her. And it's very cool. And it's like that kind of heroic thing of like, you go on ahead. I'll distract it. But like simultaneously, it's like, these are kids. And they're mm-hmm. just introduced to this world. And they've just gotten here. And and ideally, you'd have this a character who's able to i don't know i've reading it i mean i've when you read it as when you're younger first time like as a teen yourself it's like yeah sadie carter or like my age i'm capable of running off and doing magic things on my own but like reading it as an adult it's like stay with the kids someone needs to stay with the kids to make sure they are okay they are kids like yes run off and distract the beast but like they are left alone for a very long time before bass shows back up yeah but also simultaneously like i said she's a cat and that's the thing cats will do they're gonna operate on their own timeline what they think is the best thing to do regardless and like i'm sadie's like please don't leave please don't leave i don't want to lose you and she's like oh i'll be fine and to best credit like she is fine but like what if she wasn't yeah and how would that have impacted the kids who would have then been completely on their own yeah and this is also not the first time that she's vanished from them as well to find mm-hmm. something um because yeah it does it a lot yeah she does it quite a lot this is the second time in this book alone mm-hmm. and the first time they didn't see her for days um because they ended up in the first gnome at that point and they were convinced yeah. she was dead yeah 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 they were she wasn't able and then on that one like she wasn't able to get back to them because they were in the first gnome yeah. and like as a god she's not able to get within range of that whole facility <laughs> And I think she would have snuck in to get them, probably disguised herself in her muffin form and snuck in if she could have. So I'll give her that because she does yeah. like immediately show up for them. Like as soon as the set piece is taken care of, she does go and she 
you know, Aunt Kitty to the rescue. She rescues Carter. She gets them through security. Like, she's, like, got Sadie, right? At the moment when Carter's like, I need to go fight, he gives Kite Sadie to Bast, and Bast does look after Sadie. And never once has a moment of, in this situation, of, mmm, tasty bird. <laughs> yeah. Which I think I is something that might have happened earlier. It was. It was. Yeah. It was quite, it was quite funny. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it was in, when they were in... breaking into Des Jardin's house yeah and they turned into the birds for the first time um <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Was like, okay. it was I, to her credit but, she does not have that kind of moment in this situation when it is sadie who like needs protecting yeah so i i don't know i like bast and she's just like oh i've always been i mean i'm a cat person so a lot of my affection for bastet as like the goddess of egyptian mythology comes from that but I also think, like, just what she is the goddess of, of, like, you know, kind of protection, goddess of, like, childbirth, and and goddess of uh, cats. kind of the sense of, like, vulnerability, mm. right? Where cats are interesting to me because they are predator prey, right? Cats are predators. Mm. They, are, they are fucking killing machines. They just murder birds for funsies. But they're also very small and very easy to for larger creatures to hunt and to hurt so cats Mm. exist in this in-between space of needing to be like on the top of food chain and simultaneously very low and so a lot of the weird things that we like the cats climbing up high and hiding in boxes that comes from those instincts bouncing back and forth and so it's just like i think we see that with bastet she goes kind of back and forth and like i'm on the attack so let's go like she doesn't want to fight the set animal again she wants mm. to leave now. It's time to get out of here. We need to just go. She's not running back into the fray. And I think we see that too. She kind of like goes back and forth and not in a wishy-washy way, but just in a, this character has a lot of things going on. She already fought it. That didn't work. We need to leave now. Yeah. And we see a moment of that actually in that first chapter of like when they first see the set animal, mm-hmm. all of the hair. She puffs. Her, she puffs. She puffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sadie turns to Carter and says, she's like kind of mouths she's afraid yeah she's scared um, and he rem- he remembers you know that's the thing that she doesn't know if she's anxious or like scared of something she will puff up mm-hmm. so we get the sh- show that she is afraid of this creature like she's yeah. not i don't think she's aware <laughs> that she's puffed up which is no mo- cats don't her. seem to know they do this thing my roommate's <laughs> yeah. cat vivi he's a little white cat and he is an anxious little motherfucker. And anytime you just come up the stairs and you startle him because he didn't know you were there, he just puffs entirely. It's <laughs> this big fluffy thing. And you're like, you know me. I live here. Why are you acting this? And it's just like, and he just like stares. But he'll come over and his tail's still up and he's still meow, meow, meow. And he's hello. But he's still like puffed like a little raccoon. So yeah, just not realizing you're scared right now, cat. You're pretending you're chill, but you're terrified. Yeah. And then she went for it. And mm-hmm. I think that's, it's like you said, like, she's afraid, but she still goes for it. It's like that flip-floppy. Yeah, like, she has, because I, I like to credit. Her view is like, I got to protect the kids. Someone's got to do this. It's got to be me. I'm going to throw myself into the fray. That's the counterpoint to, like, grab the kitten by the scruff and run away, which is what she tries to do at the airport. She wants to grab the kittens and run away with them. Yeah. Because fighting it didn't work. Yeah. And she's almost like, these are my kittens. All the other people here, not my kittens. I, not, not my, my kittens. problem. Yeah, don't care. Like, again, she's a cat. Cats, they're not like dogs that kind of care about everything all the time. Cats care about what is important to them. Yeah. This is all, like, you feed me. 
you love me. We sleep in the same bed at night. You're my source of warmth. So you are important to me. Everyone else can go fuck themselves. I don't care. Why should yeah. I care about them? I care about you and that's what's important. Yeah. But Carter's a person and he cares about people. Yeah. He's a better person because like guaranteed most other people would definitely not be like Carter. Run. Run. Run away. Fair. Yeah. Even if you have God magic, you'd still be like, I'm going to use it to run away faster. But um, yeah, it's just it's just really interesting. These characters are just really fascinating in the King Chronicles. But um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of all we've got to cover. This is this has been a really interesting episode. Um, I think the only thing uh, do you have like any final things that you would like to say about like these two chapters? Hey, the set animal's weird, right? Yeah, I could I could not picture it. If I'm honest, I could can't. not picture it at all. No, have yeah, no can't. I have to just like constantly just look up just the egyptian i like it as a thing because Mm. it's this weird thing that archaeologists and like egyptian historians are like we don't really know what was going on with this whole we just know it was a thing and it was supposed to be set we don't know if this was supposed to be a real animal or if it's like just a a, a, this is just something and i love it just as a we don't know but it's weird and it's so weird that, like, even though Rick really tries to explain it in a lot of detail, that I think we usually don't get quite so much for a lot of characters. Hmm. I have no idea. Tail, ears. In my head, it's just a jackal. It's just a jackal. Yeah. Mine was, uh, I just kind of full on just pictured it as an anteater because I saw it saying the, uh, the, the anteater, anteater thing. Face, yeah. And that's literally, that, that just stuck with me because I was like, that's the only thing I could picture is an anteater. <laughs> Are are anteaters? Do they have stubby legs? Am I right? I believe so. Yeah, they got stubby legs and really long tails and really yeah. long faces and noses and like tongues. Now I'm gonna adopt the anteater image because it's funnier to think of an anteater that is uh, just shuffling along, is just full on sprinting. <laughs> That'd be Running terrifying. After these kids. That would actually be. It terrifying. is more scary than just jackal. Because yeah. jackals are kind of scary in general, but picturing a anteater at full speed charging yeah. towards you is just with it's... sharp teeth, and it's because like... it's also just its mouth opens and just it's like its jaw because its anteater's mouth don't open like that. This thing no. just jaw, just its mouth opens and doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like the ears. Something with the ears is like. Uh, yeah, uh, I do know anteaters do have ears, so like we can just stick with the same ears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because I think they disguise them as bunny, and I'm like, no. Um, it's like upside bunny. down bunny. Yeah, upside. It's yeah, wider on the top than it should be. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> picturing the anteater thing definitely made it more creepy. Yeah, no, I'm very upset now. Actually. <laughs> I resent you from putting for putting this on my head. How dare! I prefer my jackal. It definitely makes it more scary, which is I think is good. Yeah, for the context it's supposed to of be. the story, it's supposed yeah. to be. It's very scary, and then all the people think it's a rabid moose. Because yeah, because mortals can't see through magic. Yeah, them. Mag- I quite like the description that Bass does give for that. Of just saying, like, mortal minds will try to like justify anything and give it reason because they mm. can't cope that's fair i get that please give yeah. me reason i can't cope 
<laughs> rabid <laughs> moose there. <laughs> this is scary. I'm going to pretend it's not scary and say it's something else. Yeah, it's it's still scary, but it's explainable. I can't explain Anteater with an, a hinge jaw uh, moving yeah. too fast, but rabid moose. I was about to ask you if DC was a place that had mooses, but I would, I realized you would definitely be the one to ask me that question. Yeah, considering don't aren't moose really only like close to Canada and nowhere else? They're like yeah, they're hella northern. Like yeah, so they're found in like northern United States, so like yeah. on the border, like Maine to Washington, but that's like the border of us and Canada. Yeah. And Washington, D.C. is, like, farther Yeah. So not really that plausible. But I guess, like, it's still, like, the, the idea is to say that it is big and it is confusing. Yeah. It's, like, an eight-hour drive between D.C. to Canada, so that's pretty far from where yeah. the border would be. But, I mean, it's still, like, it doesn't have to make sense. It's a massive creature rampaging through an airport and yeah. moose are big and scary so sure <laughs> yeah we'll let them have it because there is literally nothing else that could have been put in its place <laughs> uh i think that's kind of like yeah i can't think of anything else that kind of picks up in this section no i think we covered we covered everything very thoroughly i would say we did indeed um the only thing that's left for this episode is the question of the episode which will be going up on the social medias uh the day after this episode goes out so uh mm -hmm. because this be has been a very carter positive episode mm -hmm. uh the question of the episode is following suit uh so i want to know for everyone listening what did you think of Carter showing off his strength of heart and fighting a monster to protect people he didn't know? So uh, comment that on the post that will be going up on the Instagram and Twitter or email in if you have more in-depth thoughts on this because I would love to, to hear. But Darian, thank you so much for coming to talk with me about these two chapters. It's been an absolute blast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. I enjoy talking to you, Fran. It's always a pleasure. Oh, I enjoy talking to you as well, which is why I would definitely have to have you come back for that Anubis episode because yes. I'm so, I'm so ready. I have so big ready. feelings. Big feelings. Also the one with the, the the trio aspect that comes in later. I'll have to bring you in for that too. Oh my God, please. Yes. I also have big <laughs> feelings and a lot of them are perplexed. So many, it's going to be like a multiple hour episode. Yes. <laughs> just, but this time I've like, I brought a PowerPoint presentation that I'm going to use to break down my thoughts. Now, friend, you, you are the one with these. I'll just describe the images in detail for the listener. Now, as you see here. <laughs> it's going to be a visual podcast episode. It'll go up on yep. the YouTube channel as well or something. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, no, no, I need to make a PowerPoint. Oh. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, so let everyone know who's listening, where they can find you again, and uh, then we will sign off. Wonderful. Yes, uh, you can find me over at... Oh, my God. <laughs> Guess who's never had to plug any of her stuff before? It's Darian. <laughs> like what's my instagram called <laughs> maddie's in washington right now i had no idea i'm glad i didn't try to invite her out for drinks this weekend <laughs> okay so you can if you if you liked hearing me and fran just and this vibe constantly you can check us both out over at entering storybook where we talk about once upon a time the abc fairy tale soap opera if you like hearing me talk about mythology and big feelings but think 
I also really like the sibling thing. Can I get that, but with a brother? Yes, you can. That's called Podcast of Poseidon. I co-host it with my brother, DJ, who is the opposite of me, much like Carter and Sadie are opposites, and it just works really well. You can find that at Podcast of Poseidon wherever you listen to podcasts, so just go to your favorite podcatcher. I promise we're there. You can also follow us on Instagram at just at Podcast of Poseidon, because we post. We're also on Twitter, but I don't post there, so don't follow us there. <laughs> and and I mentioned my rock climbing thing earlier. If you want to see uh, two, I will say it, very cute women, me and my climbing partner climbing rocks, you can do so at On the Rocks Boise. Uh, my climbing partner makes very good reels of our climbs paired with good graphics and great music. <laughs> they are good. So that will all be linked in the episode show notes as per usual. So head on over. That is not a request. That is a uh, compulsory thing. You should have read the terms and conditions of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but for everyone listening for the Best Damn Camp related stuff, um, as always, thank you all for joining us for these chapters. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our Rodenverse journey. To plug where you can find the podcast, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Stitcher, Deezer, and basically all podcast platforms. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts, you can email the Best Damn Camp at hotmail.com or become a podcast patron over at patreon.com slash a healthy Jessup Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for early access to this podcast. Want more Percy Jackson content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy Jessup Fran and my short story, Echoes of the Past, is now available for pre-orders on all available, but well, not all available platforms, that's a lie, on some platforms. It is. Others, it's very annoying. <laughs> but hey, you could get it through Barnes & Noble for the Nook. Even if you don't have a Nook, you can still download it there. I don't know, or pre-order there. I did that thing. Guess who doesn't have a little Nook? But who wants to read Strand's story again? It's good. <laughs> it's about wolves. And that's cool. Wolves are cool. So wolves are cool. They really are. They really are. <laughs> Not as cool as cats, but it's a close second. It is. It is. Um, and you can't keep wolves as pets, so that's probably you why cats shouldn't kind of, keep. You wolves. should never keep wolves as pets. I mean, there's like that's a multi generational. No, that's foxes. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, we do kind of have wolves as pets. We've yeah. already done that labor. They're yeah. called pugs. <laughs> oh God! And they can't oh, breathe. God. They can't breathe because we ruined them. We ruined um, them, these poor dogs. I know. But if you would like non-ruined original wolves, you can pre-order Echoes of the Past, the OGs. Um, and you can find out more information about my writing in general um, on social media at A Dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in and for Darian for joining me. Um, as always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter. I'll see. So I'll speak to you all next time. Bye.